Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The John Frickin' Meerpod is stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear for Season 6 of the podcast. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping and returns over $40. Do yourself a favor and get your gear at GGG. You drown not by falling into a river, but by staying submerged in it. Paulo Coelho. That was about waist-deep on me, uh, but it wasn't fast-moving. It was. It had some current, but it wasn't too bad. My hiking partner is about <clears throat> six inches taller than me, Seven just taller than me, so I mean, he's got a much bigger opportunity to get into deep water. Um, but the second crossing, we actually didn't cross where he told us to cross. We crossed, we had met some rangers the day before, and they recommended another spot to cross, which actually turned out to be not a very good place to cross. It was very swift, it was kind of narrow. Um, my hiking partner went in first. He started walking up the shoreline, almost lost his shoe in the dirt, decided to go in and went under. So oh. when he tried to cross, he went under. Took about three strokes, popped up, and uh, was able to catch his feet and walk across. So I walked way up to the top of the rift when I crossed. And that was like thigh deep, but that water was moving really, really strong. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. 
Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. <clears throat> Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags, hiker trash, and of course, good-smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, help us out. Take a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like it, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a repeat customer who always has some stories to share. Welcome back to the pod, through hiker Gear Junkie, and Vice President of Six Moon Designs, Whitney LaRufa. How's it going, Whitney? It's going great. Going great. Just uh, between trips and have a lot of fun. Okay. Also with me tonight is my highly irregular co-host and bona fide card-carrying member of the Hiker Trash community, Jeff Garmeyer. <laughs> what have you been Thanks. up to, Jeff? <laughs> uh, just just hanging out and running in Montana. Thanks for having me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, Whitney, do you go by Whitney all the time? What, what's your trail name? Just remind our, remind our, our listeners. Your name's all good. You know, if we're going to be on a podcast, let's go with all good because uh, we don't need to confuse people by calling me Whitney. So, yeah, all good. Oh, here's my trail name. Let's go with that. All right. I'm just renaming. It's all good. On the- it's all good in the hood. There you all go. Good. Now, did your parents name you Whitney because of Mount Whitney? I know my parents named me Whitney after a stockbroker they were friends with on Long Island, who was a very wealthy person. And they just always <laughs> loved the name. It was either Dominic Joseph LaRufa II or Whitney <laughs> Dominic LaRufa. So, they went with Whitney Dominic LaRufa. So, oh, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they never even thought about the repercussions of 45 years ago naming a boy with a girl's name and what a lifetime of confusion that would be for people. But hey, I don't really mind at this point. I just I just roll with it. Hey, yeah. you're stronger for it. Yeah, totally. I mean, being boy as a kid really makes you strong as an adult. It's great. <laughs> I mean, that's why you got a trail name. Now you can go by all good. Exactly. All good. Exactly. Or the all goods. That's what we, we call the family here. You know, so we're, we're fully embraced it here at the LaRuffa house. <laughs> I like the plural, the all goods. That's, that's the all awesome. goods, yeah. 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 I, yeah, Very I was going to say, it's a sitcom. It's a sitcom in yeah. the making. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Jeff, uh, how about you? Got a trail name? Uh, yeah, it's Legend. I've been uh, through hiked in a bit, but I still get called that once in a while. What have you been doing in your spare time if you're not through hiking? I'm trying to make money run in the mountains travel too much i don't know a little bit of everything whitney did you i'm sorry all good did you hear yeah. about uh, jeff's fkt of the jmt i did <laughs> yeah i hear of all his fkts i'm a big fan big follower that actually, is a- jeff and i actually met in 2016 on the cdt yeah, we met on the trail. We met on the trail. He's like, dude, the last South founder I met. I met Brazil Nut, and then like an hour and a half later, I met Legend. And then uh, we both came back to Portland about a month apart from each other. And we hung out a bunch because we were both unemployed together at the same time. So it was great. So, yeah. Yeah, we you, were with, uh, you were with Tattoo Joe at that point. I, I was with Tattoo Joe at that point, yeah. <laughs> and that was the day we broke uh, 
oh my god charge my buddy charge like had done like six or seven days in a row with 30 plus mile days with tattoo joe and i and that day we never saw him that evening and we never <laughs> saw him for like three days we got to town and he sent me a text he's like i had to have my mom could pick me up and take me to the hospital i think my feet are broken <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> jeez but uh he was fine it was just uh just overuse a, a couple of days off trail and he was back on trail and not doing 30s he seemed to be a lot a lot better off so yeah a lot happier too I'm yeah sure. a lot happier too yeah exactly so so you heard it here first you can break a hiker you definitely can break a hiker even like a couple of thousand miles in you can still break that spirit <laughs> <laughs> wow now, before we went on air, we were talking about the recent rebranding of the what used to be the John Freaking Mirpod to now Hiker Trash Radio, and this was this 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 uh, interview is taking place literally like forty eight hours after the rebranding take, took took place. Um, wow, yeah, and so all good. You had some very strong opinions on on the on the phrase Hiker Trash. I, I do have strong opinions, but maybe maybe for your your client. Telling your listeners, I just keep this to myself. We don't need to alienate everybody in the hiking community with my old man ways <laughs> over here in Curmudgeon Corner. All right, I like that Curmudgeon Corner. That's good. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, all good. You've been on the podcast before, so you know we, we have a, a segment towards the end of the episode where it used to be called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. We, we've also rebranded that to be the Hiking Hack. That's where you okay. get a chance to share some some of your trail wisdom with our listeners to make the next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. I won't be. Okay. Wow. It's like a PR overhaul. Trailblazer's toolkit. <laughs> say that again, Jeff. I, I punched over you. Oh, there. yeah, I know. Um, I was going to say it's like a PR overhaul with all this rebranding. We're going to have to get used to all these new terms. I know. Yeah, so- there's a lot going on here at the uh, at Hiker Trash Radio. I'm all, I just I just caught myself. Almost made that mistake. All right. <laughs> Trailblazers Toolkit. All right. This is All Good's favorite segment because it's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. I love to talk about gear on the podcast, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest adventure gear. So all good. If you were preparing for your next adventure and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you'd insist on being packed? Give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you got to have it out there. This can be any type of item. It could be gear. It could be apparel. It could be a luxury item. So all good. What is that item in your toolkit? Is it weird if I don't say a piece of gear by my company? Not to us. Okay, cool. So I would probably say the, the the MVP piece of gear in my gear kit that goes with me everywhere I go, no matter what, would have to be my Mott Bell windshirt. Um, wow. It weighs 1.9 ounces. It fits up in a little ball that you can shove in your pocket of your kilt or whatever. And uh, I probably use that piece of gear more than any piece of apparel besides the clothes I just hike in all the time. Every day. I mean, I wear it every morning when I leave camp. I wear it just about every time I take a break anywhere that's exposed. And I usually wear it like the last hour at night when I'm hiking as I cool down just to kind of help retain heat so I'm not expending as much energy. So, and when it's really buggy, it's a great layer to put on. So you don't have to put on a bunch of bug spray. And uh, I know a lot of people argue and say, oh, why do you need a wind shirt? I got a rain jacket. I really don't like wearing off the finish on my rain jacket every day. Um, 
Plus, rain jackets are hotter than a windshirt. So to me, the windshirt's kind of a essential piece of gear that's being packed to me no matter where I go. Hey, give me give me a strict definition of what is a wind shirt. Uh, it's usually like a it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a super lightweight. I have an anorak, um, but a lot of people have a full zip parka with a hood. Um, Montbell makes a line called the Tachyons. Uh, another really popular one is the Patagonia Houdini. Probably like the next most popular most people wear. And it's just, just an essentially a windbreaker. It's just a super light top. They also make bottoms that weigh, you know, usually less than two ounces, so less than a bite of a Snickers bar. And it just is a great layer for blocking wind and retaining heat. Especially like yeah. to take a break. Like, you know, you might be in the summer and you're on a ridge, but, you know, you have a little slight breeze and that's cooling your body down. It's taking energy away from you. So putting on a wind shirt and retaining heat even for 15 minutes is going to help you reduce the amount of calories you need to ingest to keep your energy levels up. Yeah, it's like the difference between waterproof and water resistant. It's sort of yeah. wind jacket versus rain jacket. Yeah. And it's like a single layer fabric instead of like a three layer Gore-Tex or a 2.5 layer Gore-Tex. It usually has a DWR finish. It's just a really handy piece of piece of clothing. It's nice. a really good one to take. I also take one like on a run or a long hike or something because even if it does rain, it's like good enough for that afternoon yeah. or something. Yeah, it's so. like it's like a vapor barrier even in the rain. Mm-hmm. If you don't have, it's not fully waterproof. At least it's retaining some of that heat against your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, all good. I like the way you explain that because. In my mind, what I'm going to do next time when I pack it for my next big trip, I'm going to get myself a, a wind shirt and some wind pants, and I'm just going to take two extra bites out of the Snickers bar before I pack. It. <laughs> there you I, go. I'm, there it's, you go. It's, it's neutral. It's weight neutral. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, the thing that's is, like, a, like when I had the CD, right there. Yeah, when I had the CDT, I didn't even carry rain pants. I just carried wind pants and a rain skirt. That's usually my go-to setup for 90% of the hiking I do. It's just a nice lightweight rain skirt and a pair of wind pants because. I mean, really, you know, rain pants, unless you're going to be hiking for weeks and weeks and pouring cold rain, rain pants are kind of useless. They're kind of heavy and they're just not really worth the weight if you can have wind pants and a rain skirt. And I'm going to get emails from listeners if I don't ask this question because folks want to know what's under the rain skirt? My wind pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just like, I hike in a kilt and a pair of like ex officio bo- like boxer briefs and then. The rain skirt is just like a big still nylon. Exactly what it sounds like. It's like a it's like a rain sarong. It's just this big rain wrap that you put around. And I mean, mine goes long. Mine goes down like halfway down my shins. And uh, I just find it way better than rain pants. Like maneuverability, breathability. You know, you get good airflow when you want it. Um, it's great even in the mornings when it's not raining. Like if you're on like the AT and you're going to be walking early in the morning through all that wet grass and brush, they're great for putting that on just to keep yourself dry the first couple hours of the day. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I have a ULA one. I have an Etowa one. I've had a Dyneema one by Z-Pax, but uh, kind of the really big oversized ULA one is kind of the one I go with all the time. Now, are you going to get any flack from the Six Moon Designs folks about uh, not going with one of their products? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're all, you know, avid <laughs> outdoor users. We all have favorite items. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty heavy Six Moon Designs toolkit, but, you know, I mean, that's because you know they make good gear. We make good gear, and I work for the company. That's why I have a heavy toolkit. But I mean, if I, you had to say one essential piece of gear for my next trip, it's always going to be my wind shirt because I don't leave. I don't leave home without that or a head net. Those are two things. No matter what time of year I leave my house, they're always in my backpack. All right, Jeff. What though, I, I like the. Uh, well, I like 
touching on rain skirt and uh, wind shirt because I think those are often forgot. I even took a rain skirt on the long trail FKT. That's how useful they are. Yeah, they're great. And then like you get to camp and you can always use it as like a second ground sheet too if you want to like lay yep. some stuff out of your cowboy camp and stuff. And they're just a really handy lightweight mm-hmm. piece of gear. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys, let's move on to our next segment. It's the hiking pole. That's right. It's the hiking pole. And that's pole spelled P-O-L-L with two L's, like a survey, not like the thing you hold in your hand out there. I like to explain that to everybody because I just I feel like I was so clever to come up with that. And their reaction is pretty much the same as, as all goods right there. Just uh, <laughs> Got it. it's a written joke delivered verbally. <laughs> I mean, it makes more sense on the email than it does. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, got it. No, thank you, Paul. Got it. <laughs> all right. So all good. This is a seven question survey. It's going to help me score you on the sanity scale from okay. one to a hundred with one being completely insane, 100 being completely sane. Okay. All right. If I were to ask your friends and family, where would they score all good on the sanity scale? Where would you fall? Totally insane. Totally insane. <laughs> Down by one yeah. or two single digits. I mean, what was the scale? A hundred's insane. One one hundred is completely sane, and one is completely. Oh, insane. I would probably say I'm a one or two, depending one. on who you ask. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, I give right, him a Rick? one. But... Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, Jeff knows me. He's gonna be a one. So yeah, Jeff, you're already predisposed to to this score because I was gonna do it a little bit different today. I was gonna ask the questions. We'll have all good give his explanations and his answers, but I was gonna have yeah. I was gonna have Jeff score. Well, he might be biased, but that's well, good. Well, this is question. really good then because now everyone has seen question one was a one, and they're going to have to guess how I grade on the rest of them for the final score here. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Now, all good. You've been on the on the podcast before, so you, I think you've answered some of these questions. Do you want do you want the questions from the set B? Yeah, I don't <laughs> want the same questions. That's that would that'd be really weird. Okay, so these yeah, these so are new these It'd are like not necessarily <laughs> they're not necessarily hiking related questions. These are some of the big questions we wrestle with in the world as a society. Probably take uh, an entire episode on any one of these. But uh, okay, for the well, sake I'll try to keep it brief for you. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. I get a flight on Thursday, so we'll keep it brief. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll ask the questions. Jeff, you're doing the scoring. So just keep it to yourself mm-hmm. to the very end, and then uh, you'll tell us how you came up with your score. And all good. Always, it's, this is not rapid fire. It's, you give a little bit of explanation to help Jeff with his his scoring rubric. Okay, we can do that. Okay. All right. First question: uh, Do you sleep with your socks on in regular life? No, in regular life, I do not sleep with socks on. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't sleep in much in regular life. Wow. So, yeah, just just the rain skirt, and that's it. Just <laughs> only on only on Tuesdays, only, only tonight. Yeah, you got me on a Tuesday, so tonight I will. Uh, yeah, no, I don't like. Yeah, I don't, I don't sleep with socks or anything, and just you know, pair of boxers, call it good. I mean, it's my bed. I mean, it's not like I'm like gotta worry about anything. All right, question number two. Yeah, pineapple belong on pizza. Yeah, you know. As an Italian American, I'm probably going to go with not really, but much to my parents' dismay, I do actually enjoy a slice of pizza down with this pineapple on it. So I guess it goes either way, but it's not my first choice. Like my first choice would definitely be like sausage ricotta jalapenos. 
So, yeah. All right. What about what about? Like, I'm not going to go order a Hawaiian pizza myself. But are, you, are, you big, are you a big mushroom guy? Eh, now and then. My wife loves mushrooms. I'll eat them on pizzas, but not my favorite. More like black olives, artichoke hearts, garlic, things like that. Yeah, yeah. All or right. just all meat. Like I love meat. You can do an all meat pizza. I'd be totally stoked. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Yeah. Question number three: Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? <laughs> I have a bidet, so I have neither. No. Yeah, I can't Other. tell you the last three years if I put a roll of toilet paper on the roll at home. But if I do, I do it over because that way it comes off like a waterfall, which is what I believe is the proper nomenclature of how it's designed to be used. Now, Jeff, let me give you some insight here. There, there are three types of guests. Actually, take that, take that back. There's two types of guests. They're, they're the guests that go with one of the one of the two prescribed answers or suggestions yeah. that you give. And, and there's somebody other... who goes completely off script. Yeah. <laughs> you asked. Really I have a bidet. Right Dude, get a, get a tushy spa. They're like 120 bucks. They have warm and cold water. There's no electronics needed. And you stop using toilet paper and you can save a ton of money and a ton of, you know, I mean – Listen, cutting down trees doesn't bother me. I worked in the lumber business for 20 years. But you're saving cutting down a bunch of trees. You're making a smaller carbon footprint. And honestly, I feel a lot better having a nice thing touchy than uh, not. Wow. Yeah. The guys that fascinate me are the ones that are using bidets out on the trail. Man, I don't know how they're doing that and not getting their boxer shorts and everything all wet. And then, like, (laughs) I met a guy on trail a couple years ago. He was using the same water bottle he drank out of to put his Kula, oh. like, squirt top on to clean his butt. And I was like, you know, dude, you know, maybe you're not, maybe you don't have Jardia. Maybe it's the cross-contamination of that smart water bottle that you've been carrying for a month, washing your butt with, and then drinking out of later in the day. I don't know. I mean, wow. don't get me wrong. I mean, if it works for you, that's great. I do carry some wet wipes on trail. I do find that's kind of the nice in-between. A well, little, I mean- A little polish at the end, so to speak. That versatility and efficiency, though, with one bo- water bottle system, I mean, I mean, you know, when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're that hardcore in accountant grams, all I got to say is maybe do some squats at home before you hit the trail and carry that second water bottle for the bidet. That's all I got to say. Or take a bite out of a Snickers bar. Before or, every... or, or one less Snickers bar in the pack. Exactly. <laughs> Jeff, you beat either, me to it, Either man. way, oh, either way, I would have a second under. bottle for my bidet if it was me. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, we we both saw that one coming. We did. Yeah. It was on. A, it was on a tee. All right. <laughs> Question number four. I think we're on four. Question number four. Cats or dogs? All good. Both. Um. Here, Jeff. Did I tell you? This is no. The I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have. I, I'm. This is the first time in my life. Last September is the first. This is, September is the first time in my life since September that I haven't had a dog since I was 18 years old. Um. And since I was 23, I've always lived with cats. And I've always lived with cats and dogs. And uh, they're both pretty awesome animals. Um, I would say I was definitely more of a dog person for many years. Um, but I, I like cats, too. Like, cats are cool. They got their own agenda. There's a lot <laughs> to be respected with a cat. Like, cats are cool, dude. Like, they're cool roommates. My only problem with the cat is they poop in the house. And, like, you know, like, I should be the one who that poops in the house. But... <laughs> If you're to do something the outdoors, cats are way easier if you want to go away and do something the outdoors than a dog. Like, I had a dog for years, and dogs are great. But then there's, like, the whole period where the dog slows down and the dog can't go hiking. And then there's this weird dynamic with you and the dog. He sees the gear. He knows he can't go, and he's all upset. It's just, yeah. But 
I mean, I love them both. Trust me. If I could have another dog right now, I would have another dog right now. But I was told no dogs for a while, so okay. no dogs for a while. Now, if if you, if you have the opinion that you you should be the only one pooping in the house, I and mean, what does the dog say about that when you guys go outside on the trail? <laughs> I mean, you know, at least like you know, side by side. I mean, I'm best friend action there. <laughs> hold each other's paws. Yeah, hold each other's paws. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I found a dog when I hiked the AT when I was 18 that I hiked the AT with, and then uh, when he passed on 13 years later, I got my my last dog, Carlick, and I mean that dog hiked all over the Western United States with me. Um, I mean, I love the company of a dog, but it is a lot more work than having two cats. I can tell you that. Like you want to go away for the weekend. Someone's got to watch the dog. Or you're going to have a place to take the dog. The cats, I can throw out extra food and be like, Hey, see you guys Sunday. Have a great weekend. You too. They're like, okay, <laughs> see you Sunday. They don't care. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number five. Yep. All good. Do, do you use the Oxford comma? What's the Oxford comma versus a regular comma? Okay. I mean, God, I feel like an idiot. I went to Virginia Tech for God's sake, but I did study science on English there. So that's all right. So if, if you use a, a simple series like red, white, and blue, how many commas in, in that sentence? Red, white, and blue. <laughs> Three. Three commas. Where do you put those things? Between the red, between the white, and, and between the red, red, white, and oh, yeah, two. The red, the white, before the and, and then, yeah. Yeah, so the yes. Oxford the Oxford comma is the comma before the and in a simple sentence. Yeah, then I guess I use the Oxford comma. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that not what you're supposed to do anymore? I mean, they changed a lot of grammar. And I, Jeff is texting with me, so he can attest that one, I can't spell or use grammar. In fact, if you text with me, you will be known what people say is, oh, you must speak all good because you understand the cryptic weird messages you get from me typing fastly or fast. <laughs> from typing fast and making mistakes. I can't speak either, apparently, today. So, hey, there you go. Well, you know, I, I have a strong opinion. I think, uh, of course, you should use the Oxford comma. I mean, you stop using the Oxford comma, then that's just the first step in, in society just breaking down. So, Oh, I think we're long past the Oxford comma there, my friend. <laughs> you think a comma will save everything? Yeah, the comma is going to stop that the robot the robot overlords of AI from taking over. Okay, now there's a there's a plot twist I didn't see in any sci-fi movie in my life yet, but I'm waiting for it. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be all goods watching or saving the world with a comma. Exactly one comma at a time. <laughs> with my with my my hunting typing method. <laughs> And I mean, since we we're talking about the apocalypse here, what what is the uh, what is the better superpower, invisibility, or flying? Wow, man, that's a good one. That is a good one. And now, are we speaking speaking in terms of like the apocalypse where this skill's coming to play, or is this just like if I, I just had a superpower today, what would it be? I, I just use the apocalypse as a segue. So it, it, it could be, what is the better superpower? I guess is the, the more general question, invisibility or, or flying? I think invisibility would be a lot handier than flying. I mean, if I'm invisible, I can sneak on a plane and just go hide in the bathroom, you know? <laughs> I can fly. I mean, there's ways to fly if I'm invisible. But you can get a lot done if you're invisible. Man, that'd be pretty awesome. Hey Jeff, I, want, I just want to point out of all the things you can do while you're invisible, all good points out that he could he could he could spend his time in an airplane bathroom. Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, there's other things I would do. I'm just saying, like, if it was flight or invisibility, if I'm invisible, I could figure out how to fly in part, like, easily. Yeah. You couldn't even if use you could the fly, bathroom. If you could fly, you right. wouldn't need the airplane. Right. Yeah, but I think the whole flying, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you get hit by a bird or something. I mean, I mean, bird strikes hit planes every year. Like, you imagine, like, hitting, like, a crow in your face while you're flying? That could be a big mess. Big mess. Broken nose, lots of blood. Plus, if you ever seen me drive, maybe flying is not the best thing either for me. So, yeah, I'm going to go with invisibility. Yeah. Right. yeah. You opted to solve flying by hiding. Man, do you know how much fun it would be to be invisible on the AT and you could, like, hide in a shelter in the corner and, like, wait for everybody to be in there right when they're about to fall asleep and they'd be like, boom! I mean, that'd be so awesome. Oh, man, you could mess with so many people. <laughs> all right. Question number seven. Last question in the poll. Giving Jeff uh, all the material he needs to give you an accurate score on the sanity scale. Question number seven. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Hot dog a sandwich? No, it's a hot dog. It's like its own thing. It's not like. So is it? Is it just a taco then? I would say a hot dog's closer to a taco than it is to a sandwich. Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> I would definitely go that route. Yeah. And, and why is that? Because of the hinged bread. Probably. Yeah, the hinged bread. Like it's a bun, not bread. It's like it's a bun. You know, it's yeah, it's hinged. It's you can eat a hot buns, dog by itself. Buns I are mean, not bread. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but like a PB and J's a sandwich because you have to have the bread to hold together the peanut butter and the jelly. Or like a hot dog, you just pick that up off the grill and eat it right straight. You can eat a hot dog straight out of a package, actually. I mean, they're they're fully cured and ready to eat. <laughs> Heating it up is just like, you know, performance. Per- wow. <laughs> I, I like this breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cooking a hot dog just improves performance. It's perfectly yeah. good right out of the package. They're totally they're totally edible out of the package. I've definitely used some raw hot dogs in my lifetime without any issues. Cooking a hot dog is just performative. Yeah. Don't yeah. say without any issues until you get your score on this poll. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let, let's take those uh, those answers, Jeff. Let's put them through your, your algorithm you're going to use and uh, let us know how you, how you tabulated this score and what the score is. Well, a lot more of the answers were more sane than I expected, actually. Mm. But then there were a few outliers or even a good answer that he continued to bury with his explanation. (laughs) (laughs) And then the choice of other came in. And uh, that brings us to a score of 27. 27. Higher than expected, for sure. I mean, it was a great answer with dogs and cats. I mean, that that puts you into the safe realm at least. So Sweet. That, All right. There you you really go. saved your score here. Nice. So I'm safe to go in the woods with now? Is that what we're saying? Um, yeah, you're almost too safe. Almost oh, almost too, too safe. safe. No, I don't yeah. know about that. All right. Hey, guys, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up just a little bit. Uh, Whitney, just remind our folks, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, and how you get involved with uh, through hiking and Six Moon Designs. Uh, I grew up in New England most of my life. Went to high school in Long Island. And uh, was big into scouts when I was a kid. And hiked a lot in the White Mountains and learned about the Appalachian Trail pretty early on. And decided I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail when I was 14. And tried to convince my parents to let me go hike that witch trail at the age of 14. But instead, they made me wait and uh, do it when I was 18. So I did, uh, I was on the forefront, I guess, of a gap year. I graduated high school early and hiked that witch trail in 96. 
Then I went to College of Virginia Tech and uh, studied wood science. I was a ridge runner on the Appalachian Trail in 97, 98. So had pretty deep AT ties. Uh, Virginia Tech maintained 40 miles of the Appalachian Trail through the outdoor club I was a member of. So I was a trail boss there. So we maintained 40 miles of trail while I was in college. And then moved to Oregon in 2000 with hopes to hike the PCT, um, but got pretty good at being a broker. So I did that for 16 years and then still hiked quite a bit. Still, you know, got out every year for about two weeks backpacking. Um, I did a whole series basically of talks I've called Through Hikings for the Working Stiffs that were kind of like shorter hikes that you could do. And uh, did that. And then in 2016, I quit my job and hiked the Continental Divide Trail. And then came back and decided to switch industries. So sold some uh, headwear and apparel for a while. And then got involved with Six Moon Designs because I knew the owner for a long time. And uh, he was looking to bring someone in to help run the company with his son. So he could kind of step away and have uh, a kind of a contracted role at the company. More high level. Do some design. Just kind of more overall steering the company in a certain direction. And kind of letting us run the day to day. So that's how I got involved with Six Moon Designs. And been there just... It's almost five years now, five years next month. So wow. time flies. Yeah. Yeah. Sure does. I wanna hear I wanna hear the story of uh finding the dog on the AT and then um yeah, it became your dog. It's yeah. Story. So yeah, when I was in the AT, um I mean I really wanted a dog before I left, but I was never allowed to have a dog growing up. And uh this dog had showed up at like Fontana Dam, this is German Shepherd Chow mix and started following hikers back and forth through the Smoky Mountains. So he like would follow hikers up to like Newfound Gap and someone would like try to get him in a car and he'd be like, no, I'm getting a car. And he would take off and run the opposite direction back to Fontana Dam and follow other hikers. And he kind of went back and forth. And then these two guys brought him into this town, Irwin. And uh, I came into the town of Irwin that morning. And I, if you don't know anything about Irwin, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Irwin, Tennessee is famous because I don't know when it was like early 1900s, they hung an elephant there. This elephant, Mary the Elephant, had been in a parade. She had an infected ear. She got prodded. She trampled the animal trainer to death. So this was in Johnson City, town over. Johnson City decided as a publicity set for the circus, they would have a trial. So they put the elephant on trial, found her guilty of murder, and then tried to electrocute her. And with as much electricity as they could pump out back in the 1900s, they could not electrocute her. So someone was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's go over to Irwin where they're building the train and we'll use that big crane and we'll hang her. So they had a public hanging of the elephant. Now I'm reading this history as I'm going into the town that morning. I'm going, and that's kind of grim. And I'm like, they can't be proud of that. The first thing I see when I get into town is the hanging elephant antique shop with a big mural of a hanging elephant. And then later on, I see something else referencing the hanging elephant. And then I'm walking to McDonald's and I pass the train crane park where they have on display the locomotive and the actual crane and they hung the elephant on so they are proud to hang in this elephant so i get to the hotel sit down start playing with this awesome dog for like 30 minutes just out front playing with this dog and uh my two friends come out and they're like hey you know we're going home we're super sick like we're getting off trail but hey if that dog doesn't leave with a hiker tomorrow morning it's going to go to the pound here and i was like well that like i can't send this dog to the pound like oh it's a- I'll take him with me. It's like, I'll get him back on trail. And I was like, if he makes it to Damascus in a couple of days, like I'll keep him. And that dog pretty much stayed by my side for the next 13 years of my life. And we were like totally bonded. By the time we got to Damascus, a couple of days later, I went to town, uh, 
talked to the outfitter. He hooked me up with a backpack really cheap and some dog bowls. Bought a leash and a collar. I had like some vets help me out along the way, getting them all the shots and everything. And uh, yeah, I went to Virginia Tech my freshman year, and the girl I hiked with lived 45 minutes away, so she kept him up on the farm she lived on. And then I would go up and take care of him when she traveled or bring him down to my dorm with me. But he was an awesome dog. I mean, all through college, I could like open the front door of our house and I'd be like, all right, see you later, buddy. And like two classes later, he'd be like sitting in front of the building I was in at Virginia Tech waiting for me. I mean, Virginia Tech's a massive school. I mean, there was like 25,000 students when I was there. And that dog could find me like a needle in a haystack. So yeah, it was a really awesome, awesome bond. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. What was the name of the dog? I named him Irwin. Irwin. Oh, <laughs> after Irwin, Tennessee. Yeah. See what you did yep. there. Yes. Very yeah. good. <laughs> it's a great name for a dog. I mean, you never meet anybody named Irwin anymore, but I mean, a dog, it makes total sense. Yeah. It's a perfect name. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to put a pin in that right there. We're going to take a quick break, hear from the advertisers, pay some bills, and we come back. We're going to get down into some of the, some of what you've been up to recently since our last talk back in May of 2022. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned. Jolly Gear. Where fun meets functional. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. And welcome back. We are talking to Whitney LaRufa, also known as All Good. And uh, we've got our co-host here, Jeff Garmeyer, also known as Legend. And the last time we talked All Good on the podcast here, it was May of 2022. So almost a year yep. ago. Okay. Have you been a, been a busy guy for the last year? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of different things. I guess uh, right after we spoke, that was May. So in July, me and three friends did the new Corvallis to Coast Trail. 
which is a 65 mile route that starts in the town of Corvallis, Oregon in the Willamette Valley and takes you up and over the coast range and then dumps you off at the uh, Pacific Ocean. So it's a new trail. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting because uh, there's not too many ways you can actually walk from a, the valley to the ocean here in Oregon. So that's pretty unique. Uh, but it had its challenges. One, it was really hot. The The weekend we happened to pick to go was like our first heat wave of the year. So we were having like almost triple digit temps. So that made it tough. Luckily, like eight miles in, there's a Dairy Queen. So you can go in and get like, you know, a nice cold blizzard early on the cool off. Um, eight miles. Like, You've barely earned it. Exactly. Point. Exactly. Like, boy, big eight miles. Better get myself a large blizzard and a cheeseburger real quick. <laughs> that is the uh, hallmark of a top-notch trail. When they have designed yeah. the trail with, with a uh, I, there's so many things, eight miles in there's so many things i loved about the corvallis and coast trail it was you know we didn't see we didn't see any other hikers or bikers while we were out there we were the only people we saw which i love i love a trip like that um it was really cool to like go through that area i've been at mary's peak before outside of corvallis like people have gone to oregon state know mary's peak um but it was really cool to kind of explore the coast range i don't do a lot of coast range hiking I just, I've never gravitated towards that. So that was kind of new for me a little bit. And there was all the wildflowers around me. There were wild irises everywhere, which is really cool. My only rub with that trail was it has very limited camping. Um, The first day we were on trail, we do like 20 something miles. Uh, You go through some private forest land where they have a agreement for use. You have to get a permit. It's a free permit through through the forestry company. You can't camp on their land. So the first place we could legally camp happened to be a decommissioned forest road with steep banks on either side. So we literally slept in an old road bed, which if you've ever tried to put a tent stake into an old road bed, it's very difficult to do. So that was that was probably the biggest challenge. The same thing the next night we were on trail. I literally slept on the pullout of a gravel forest service road in the coast range about you know half a day's walk, maybe 12 or 15 miles away from the coast. Um, like you could see the ocean, you could see the bay from where we were camping, but the camping was probably the biggest challenge. There are some designated campsites, but it's probably works out better where they're located if you're on a bike than hiking. So, so that was the first trip I did. That was pretty cool. Um, then we had PCT days, which if you've never been to PCT days, highly recommend it. It's a great time. You were at PCT days, weren't you, Jeff? um yeah i was last year yeah so it's a good time it's about five thousand people that have been every year and about 50 60 vendors pretty busy weekend but uh we had a really big party pretty fun party in cascade locks that uh six moon designs hosted which was a lot of fun it was so much fun the town said we can't do it thursday night because they had complaints from <laughs> people who quote unquote had to go to work in the morning whatever like it was done by <laughs> night five but so we're gonna have the friday night party this year so come to the hiker funk party this year at bct days and then uh i what's love the what's the date what's the date on that all good i think it's august hold on one more month there on the calendar august 17th Eight. or 18th and 19th this year yeah 18th 18th and 19th the two-day festival friday saturday this year um 
Now, all good. You mentioned earlier you, you did the AT when you were 18, and then you I also did, did the, the CDT. When I uh, was 38. Yeah. My and 20th sounded, anniversary hike. And it sounded like you were you had attempted the PCT at one point, but were unsuccessful. Any desire to? No, nope, uh, nope, that's not true at all. That's not, not true at all. Okay. I moved okay. here with the hope of hiking the PCT right. and got a career. And oh, the career got was really right. good in my career. Yeah. So I was like, oh, and then like my girlfriend and I got engaged, then we got married, and then like we bought a house, and like you know, those things you do in life kind of got in the way of the PCT. So for my 20th anniversary, like in the AT, I quit my career job because I really hated what I did. Like I hate like I was very good at my job and I hated it every day I went to it. Like I literally like had to go through mental gymnastics just to walk in that office and be there for nine hours a day that's how bad that was but you know i was good at it i just hated it so i quit that hike the cdt because i was like well i really want to hike the cdt why it's still like wild and you know it's not i mean like the pct's like the pct's a lot like the at now where the cdt was like the at like you know when i did the cdt in 16 and jeff did it it was like the at in like the 70s and in a short amount of time, the CDT is completely different now. I mean, there was like three trailing angels. We did the CDT in 2016 on the whole trail. Now there's a trailing angel in every single town on the CDT. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, the communities along the CDT have bought into the CDT a lot more. They care. They see the benefits of having this National Scenic Trail coming through their town and their communities. So that's a good thing. But I kind of wanted that wild abandonment hike of five or six months and that's what the cdt still was able to afford me in 2016 where i don't think i would have had that at all at this pct in 2016 so are you gonna wait till 2036 to do the pct i mean i want to get my triple crown i mean i'd be lying if i said i didn't but uh you know i do a lot of routes and other things and i mean the pct's not going anywhere it's like I've heard you say you want the biggest gap between your first and your last. Of man, I don't know if I can pull it off because my boss <laughs> is probably going to finish his his triple crown this year, and his first strike was seventy seven. Oh, oh wow! No, so he's like forty six be... years, and I don't know if I want to wait forty seven years to get a triple crown. Um, <laughs> I've been toying with the idea of doing like a three year section hike starting next year to finish my triple crown for like my thirtieth anniversary of the AT. So, like, in 2036, like, completing the PCT. I've done a lot of big sections, but I want to do, like, a three-big chunk section hike. Yeah, not 2036, 2026 then, right? I'm sorry, 2026, yeah. 2026, yeah. Because I'd really like to get my, my triple crown before my parents pass away, too. My parents are in their 80s. I think it'd be nice to get my triple crown. They could see me get it. You know, they know it's important to me, so. Yeah, the all goods could celebrate together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if they'd come out, but it'd be, I, I think my dad would really appreciate seeing me get that. Um, Season finale but, of the All Goods. Yeah, but I mean, also, like, I mean, there's so much other stuff to hike, too. I mean, you know, I mean, I think part of my role in the hiking community is kind of encouraging people to get off some of those big national scenic trails that are getting loved to death. I mean, there's a lot of other really cool stuff to do. Like the uh, Northern New Mexico Loop? Yeah, it's a perfect segue in the Northern New Mexico Loop. So Brett Tucker, <laughs> Blister Free who I hiked with the 96 uh, creates some incredible hiking routes around the Western United States. Uh, Lowest to highest is his creation. Sky Island Traverse, the Grand Enchantment Trail is probably his best known hike that he's developed. Um, But then he's got this awesome 550 mile Northern New Mexico loop, which just basically makes a big loop out of Santa Fe through the Northeast corner of New Mexico. And it's a stunning hike. 
Um, I did that last fall with my buddy, Mike. We took a little less than a month to do it. And it was just like, it was challenging. I mean, right off the bat, leaving Santa Fe, we went, we went counterclockwise because Brett suggested that would be better with the weather that time of year through like, like, you know, the, uh, the Santa Fe mountains and the San Pedro's and stuff. Cause there was a pretty high risk of snow, you know, pretty early on. Um, but it also meant that our first days out, we we're in our highest elevation for like the first week we we're in the highest elevation of the trip. So coming from sea level and like, you know, day two, we're at like 13,000 feet, you know, it makes a big difference of uh, acclimating. But I mean, we never, we never saw, I never saw any other Northern New Mexico hikers the whole time we were out there. There was uh, one stretch we did where we had the option to go into Cuba, New Mexico. No, it's a Cuba. No, I'm sorry. Chama, which is a trail mm-hmm. town on the CDT. Um, we could have like done like about a three or three and a half days of food, hiked an extra 15 miles, hitchhiked into Chama, which is a very tough hitch as Jeff can probably recall. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a notoriously hard hitch. And then you can take the train back up. Um, but then it was also like another 15 miles back to trail or what we opted was, we just did like six and a half days of food carry and we just basically did a long, like maybe we carried seven days of food. We just like a seven day stretch where we never went to town. We never saw anybody. And that's rare. I mean, on all the long distance trails in the United States, the CDT has got like one, like two sections that have seven day carries. It's pretty rare to do a seven day carry on any trail. Um, So being out there for seven days was just awesome. The only people we saw were some deer hunters and, uh some native families that were fishing at the reservoirs up along the area saw tons of elk saw tons of bighorn i mean but it's an awesome like you go through taos uh you go through red river uh quamada just a bunch of great little towns you get to go through ghost ranch which is on the cdt which is george o'keefe's you know uh the ranch where she painted a lot in new mexico and when you go to ghost ranch there's no other hikers there they treat you really well like you're the only two hikers at Ghost Ranch, it's a different experience than northbound on the CVT when there's 20 of you there, you know, at the buffet line. So it was really nice. It was a really cool hike. Um, it was not without tragedy, though. My first week on trail, we had to put my dog down while I was on trail. Oh. So the whole hike is kind of an emotional roller coaster for me to really talk about to some degree because, uh, you know, I was very, very close with my dog and my wife uh, had to navigate some very difficult times to get me to get him comfortable enough for me to get to town within a couple of days to get online, to do things that had to get done. So not, not easy. No, so tough. So tough about that. Yeah. It was really tough. Hey, to get your mind off that, let's uh, have another question for you. Are you, are you a trail guy or do you also venture off onto, to routes that are maybe a little bit less defined and uh, require some, some, uh, I would say I'm much more of a route guy than a trail guy at this point. I mean, the Northern New Mexico loop is a, is a route and there's a fair, there's a healthy amount of bushwhacking. There's a uh, Brett Tucker uh, has some sadistic qualities, which I love about him, but there's some stuff like New Mexico has gotten hammered pretty hard. Northern New Mexico between beetle kill and fires and windstorms. I mean, there was days of walking through some blowdowns that were pretty gnarly. Um, <laughs> you know, not like all day, but like the next six hours of just blow down hell where you're like, there's like a jungle gym, you know? Um, but yeah, I like routes. I like routes more than trails in a lot of ways. It's it's more of a challenge for me. I feel like I've reached a point in my navigation skills and hiking skills and outdoor person, you know, deal where I just kind of enjoy that 
that wildness of a route and getting to pick your own way and just kind of going with the flow and making things up as you go along. Well, if Brett Tucker had you go counterclockwise on the Northern New Mexico loop, I, I'd say he is a little bit of a, of a sadist. <laughs> well, the real reason was you have to cross the Rio Grande twice. You have to swim across the Rio Grande twice. <laughs> so the first time outside of Taos and Sheep Canyon, the sheep crossing of the Rio Grande, um, that was about waist deep on me. Uh, but it wasn't fast moving. It was it had some current, but it wasn't too bad. My hiking partner is about <clears throat> six inches taller than me, seven inches taller than me. So I mean, he's got a much bigger opportunity to get into deep water. Um, but the second crossing, we actually didn't cross where he told us to cross. We crossed. We had met some rangers the day before, and they recommended another spot to cross, which actually turned out to be not a very good place to cross. It was very swift. It was kind of narrow. Um, my hiking partner went in first. He started walking up the shoreline, almost lost his shoe in the dirt, decided to go in and went under. So oh. when he tried to cross, he went under, took about three strokes, popped up, and uh, was able to catch his feet and walk across. So I walked way up to the top of the rift when I crossed. And that was like thigh deep, but that water was moving really, really strong. Wow. Um, that was part of the reason why he suggested going that way was because of the Rio Grande crossings. And then also the potential for snow. <clears throat> so, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I like routes. I mean, I've done the Oregon Desert Trail. I did a route in 2014 called the Chinook Trail. I was the first person to do. I ground treat the Blue Mountains Trail. We were, you know, the first group of three that threw like that. You know, so I mean, I enjoy a route. I enjoy the discovery of it. I enjoy the challenge. Is the, does the Hey Duke have any attraction for you? Oh, I mean, that's been high on my list for many years. I, I kind of feel like it's one of those spots that's lacking on my hiking resume, like the PCT. It's a matter of like, I probably need more than a month to do the Hey Duke and I can get away for about five weeks max from work to get to go hiking every year, which I mean, let's not get ourselves. If you, anyone who gets five weeks off to go hiking a year <laughs> is super fortunate, but you know, it's like much more than that. I'm kind of pushing the limits a little bit of how long it can be gone. So. Right. Jeff, ever, ever done the Hey Duke yet? No, no, nope. you, you don't sound too enthused about it either. No, I'd be into it, but I think it's the same thing. I think I would probably go international if it was like a month or something like that. So it's really high up there. I've been to a bunch of places on it. I enjoy that region, but just through hiking it, I think that chunk of time I might go elsewhere. But I think if you haven't been down there, it's a great way to see a bunch of things. Yeah. All right. Hey, all good. Tell us about uh, some of the other things you've been involved with. I know you were at the ALDHA West Gathering and the CET. Yep. Yeah, right after uh, the Northern New Mexico Loop, we jumped in the Six Moon Designs van. We drove over to Colorado to Keystone, and we went to the Old West Gathering, which is the uh, annual fall gathering of hikers, Triple Crown Ceremony, uh, Martin Pavanick Award for Trailings of the Year. I was the president of the organization for a little over six years. So, Pretty Deep Tides was the first gathering they had had in person since COVID. So the turnout was a little lower than than I think anybody wanted, but really awesome speakers. Myself included got to present about the Blue Mountains <laughs> Trail with Naomi. Um, but, I mean, just some of the other talks were incredible. Dirtmonger came and talked about the Great Basin Trail. And um, Early Bird came and talked about, you know, the art of FKTs and stuff. And it was, it was just a really great gathering. It was great to see so many friends that I've known for over a decade that I hadn't seen in a long time, all in one place. So that was really nice. 
and then yeah, this spring, I mean, I've just kind of been on a hang on before you get to air- spring. Before you get to What's spring, that? I have this vision. You said you got into the six moon designs van. Is it like the Scooby-Doo van? I'm, I'm kind just, of. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's a 2500 sprinter. The sprinter 2500 long wheelbase. It's custom wrapped. It's got off-road tires. Uh, it's got pictures of hikers on the side. But yeah, it's got pictures of hikers people. on the side. Everything's really yeah. cool. And then on the back, <laughs> we have like all these different Instagram shots from customers. And then like their handle, you can follow them. And uh, inside, it's got a bed, like a bench seat that converts to a bed. It's got a fridge, TV, microwave, stove, storage. <laughs> and then in the back, uh has like a big wall in the back. And then I have just like a bunch of inventory and display stuff for when I travel around to do the do the thing. That is the way to do it. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's a it's a nice it's a nice fringe benefit of the job. I can tell you that. <laughs> Did you drive to AT Trail Days? You know, I haven't driven to that one, but I really want to. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> next year. I'm like, do I skip? Like, do I fly to CDT kickoff next year and then drive to AT Trail Days? Like, that's <laughs> kind of what I want to do. Um, wow. I'm going to drive to Wisconsin this summer for an event. In uh, that's going to be a pretty long drive, but. The AT, the problem with driving to AT Trail Days is like now you're taking like the week of already at AT Trail Days and turning that into like three weeks. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a hard thing about it, but no, I usually fly to that one. So but yeah, it's kind of the scooby It's like the nice thing with the six moon design van is like I usually throw in like one or two other friends that are you know are hikers that want to travel with me. And uh you just have like a you just have a road trip. It's kind of fun to have a road trip. You know, we camp along the way, we go we like in the spring, I always go down to see Mags and Moab, go to Arches. You know, he always takes me to see some super awesome, like, relics. And then, uh, you know, go down to CDT kickoff. And on the way home, we this year we stopped at Mesa Verde, which I'd never been to. And that was super cool. So, yeah, it's pretty nice to have that option. All right, Jeff, what burning questions do you have for, for all good here? Oh, I am. I'm just still into this van idea. I think you need to just, like showcased a bunch of routes on the way out to at trail days just like <laughs> here's a route you can do in kansas that would brett be pretty tucker, sweet brett tucker drew me this route and you just grab water from like cow ponds across oh, kansas. i have brett tucker map out the route for the sprinter that'd be fantastic yep. all on like old dirt roads yeah like, exactly no fuel. i got like a bunch of jerry cans in the van with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah he would say like you'll like your fuel low fuel light's going to come on, but you'll make it to the gas station. It's just a little further. That's how he describes right Yeah, that's how things are described. Yeah, like Exactly. When but the trail no, disappears, keep going. Yeah. The nice thing was this spring when I drove down to CDT kickoff, we stopped at Bandelier National Monument, which mm-hmm. is a really cool national monument outside of Santa Fe, right outside of Los Alamos. And uh, Chris and Aaron from Catabatic Gear came down and met me. And uh, one of the writers for Treeline was with us and Swami was with us and my friend swept away. And uh, we just went and did like a three-day really easy backpacking trip, which is very nice. rare for that crew to do. And yeah. uh, it was really fun because like Chris and Aaron from Catabatic and I and Mike, you know, we were able to talk a lot about like what's happening in gear and business and share ideas. And like, I'm really trying to revive the brain trust hikes. Like when, when ultralight through hiking really became a thing in the early 2000s. Ron, my boss, Ron mm-hmm. Moak, Ron, and then uh, Henry Shires from Tarp Tent and Glenn Van Pesky from uh, Gossamer Gear and sometimes Grant from Gossamer Gear. 
and uh, Brian Franco, who started ULA. Uh Every year, those guys are going to take like a week-long trip together. And they would go to the winds. They would go somewhere in the West and go backpacking for a week together. And on those hikes, like the first couple of days, it'll be kind of guarded. Oh, and like kind of trying to show off their new piece of gear. And at the end, you know, they would be coming up with new ideas that they could all market, uh, giving each other advice on like best practices on the business or where to get something made or, you know, what's working, what's not, what's new in the fabric world. And there's a lot of collaboration that went on early mm-hmm. on between all those companies and continues on to the day. And yeah. um, I'd say we're all still very friendly, all the companies. We still share information as needed. Um, but it's harder to get the next generation that's running these companies to go out on trail than than it was back in the day. And I think it's because some people aren't hikers and maybe they're intimidated by, by going hiking with me. I don't know. But I always I'm like, dude, I can hike an eight-mile day. I don't care. Like, we can hang out yeah. and camp. I don't care. Like, I just want to hang out. It's nice to hang out, not at a trade show and not at a trail event. I mean, you go to a trail event, you're not hanging out. You're working all day. You know, yeah. This is a show days in the masses. work 14-hour days. You know, you might hang out for three hours at night at the most if you're lucky. Yeah. So, yeah. Just imagine night one on this trip with all these gear makers and they're testing out prototypes and like a couple tents like fall down or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they it's definitely had disasters throughout the years. I mean, the yeah. story. Oh, you're know, like, oh, yeah, they had disasters for sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're all testing gear too. So some of it's not going to work oh, and they have to totally. figure it out out there in yeah, front we of their a, competitor. Exactly. We have a backpack that's hanging on the wall at work that Ron made when Dyneema first came out that he was like, yeah, I hiked the TRT with it. He's like, that's the worst backpack I've ever made in my life. <laughs> He's like, it was like flimsy. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> examples of what not to do that's like the way you described it all good that's like a five thousand dollar wilderness webinar i mean that i mean having yeah we can have like a master class together that's a exactly a master class yeah (laughs) yeah but i mean it's fun i mean that's like the nice part of work in the industry is i mean i don't know i'm not a ronald reagan fan but i think there's a lot to be said about a rising tide rises all ships i mean especially in the world of ultralight gear i mean like i was just a trail days in damascus you know my booth was across from z packs you know he's like one of my competitors but also like a good friend of mine you know mm-hmm. and next door to me was next door to us was light af you know and i mean we all get along we're all friends i mean there's enough business out there we don't have to like it's not a cutthroat industry you know it's not like trading stocks I mean, we're, we're making ultra like gear and enjoying the outdoors and encouraging <laughs> others to do so so you're it's in damascus of, virginia enough said. yeah yeah good old damascus virginia baby now if you want to go to a trail event that's the one to go to 20,000 people. It's like the Bonnaroo of hiking. That's all, that's all I can say. <laughs> now, all good. You, I know you're on a tight uh, time frame here. What, what is the next big adventure? What do you, what do you got going next? Uh, hiking or just otherwise? Uh, both. Uh, Thursday I'm flying for the uh, ISPO Outdoor Show in Germany. Going oh, wow. to the state of Oregon, part of their booth. So we have a couple other brands. Um, we do a lot of business in Europe, so... First time back since 2019. It'd be nice to spend a week there and get to connect with all of my customers over in Europe. Hope we find some new customers and then also see the two germs I hiked the CDT with. So that'd be kind of fun to catch up. Then I'm leaving there and going to Ireland to meet my wife for a week in Ireland to travel around for our 20th wedding anniversary. So she's going to be sainted there for putting up with me for 20 years, so we're there. Wow. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, no doubt. And then, um, 
in August, right after PCT days, I'm flying to go to Iceland. And I'll be doing a north-south traverse to Iceland from like Whoa. the middle of August to the middle of September. So I'm looking really forward to that. It should be a very interesting trip. We're uh, doing a variation of the John Lay route that Jonathan Lay laid out many years ago. So from the northernmost lighthouse to the southernmost lighthouse. Um, but instead Whoa. of utilizing F-roads all the time, we're going to be doing some cross-country stuff to go see some like extraordinary geological places in the interior of the country. So that's the next real big trip. So I got a, got a lot of work to get in shape for that right now. So like right before I got a missed call, I just walked like an hour and a half of the pack on and everything. So just around the neighborhood, and got like four miles an hour trying to get those legs ready for pumping out the miles all day. Was there anything in the backpack or was it, was it empty? Oh no, there's like 30 pounds of water in the backpack. Yeah. No, I train with, I'll slowly work up to 50 pounds in the next couple, in like the next month. By this time next month, I'll be training with a 50 pound pack every day when I train. I like to train with 30 pounds of Snicker bars in the bag. That's so. a great way to train. <laughs> then if you get hungry on the way, you just pop one out. And eat it. <laughs> you end up larger than when you start training. Exactly. Yeah. I, I used to do rice, but I figured out that pinto beans work really good in uh, like packing pods. Like, you can fit like 10 pounds in one of the six moon packing pods we make. So I just stack oh, wow. like, I just have like five of those and I just keep adding in 10 pounds, you know, every week as you're, as you're building up to the 50. <laughs> and if you train with a 50 pound pack, when you get on trail and you have a 30 pound pack, you know, your body's already used to way more weight. So it's a lot easier. So, so hiker trash hack, you just use pinto beans as your training weight. Exactly. And then if you get hungry, you just like throw them in the instant pot when you get home and like 20 minutes later, you got dinner. <laughs> Well, all good. You were you were a bit premature because hiking hacks. Oh, we don't talk about. We have now we have now arrived at the hiking hack segment where you get to share some trail wisdom, and you already used that one up. So you've got to have something else for us. What do you have? All right. If you use a gravity filter, like I use a gravity filter, so I use two Canuck Vecto water bags, and then a Sawyer squeeze filter in between them with the bottle coupler. So you can like set up as a gravity filter. So one hiking hack I learned is uh, you don't have to have a tree to hang that off of. So if you get the night eyes gear ties, I always keep one of those on my uh, dirty Canuck bag. You can use that. I have, I have gravity filtered water in the last year of my life off the peak of my tent. Um, set up in camp. Yeah. We used four trekking poles one day. It made like a variation of a tripod just out in the middle of the desert. And we were able to hang three Vectos off of that at the same time to filter water for three people. Um, And then when I was in Bandolier, I used that same gear tie and I put it on the Y strap of my Swift X and I just hung my bags down the back of my backpack while I walked a mile to filter on my water. (laughs) There's the hack right there. Wow. That eliminates the like need to stop and filter. You can just clip it on and keep going. going. I will say like, (laughs) <laughs> Once that three liters got to like two liters of clean water, it started kind of acting like a dirty diaper kind of swinging back and forth behind me. But I mean, it worked. It worked until it was filtered. So I mean, it worked out pretty well. It was super efficient. Yeah. And Jeff, Jeff, you need to bump his score up five points because he mentioned another another sponsor of the podcast. He mentioned Sawyer. Sawyer is also sponsors uh, Hiker Trash Radio. So there you Those go. Those are my boys right there, man. I spent a lot of time with the boys. We actually... We share a booth at Trail Days in Damascus. Oh, that, so, that's that's why my ears were burning. You guys were talking about me. Yeah, when we when we uh, 
Damascus, you know, to make it work, I split a booth with uh, the Sawyer guy, the Sawyer crew in Tokes Outdoors, Tokes Titanium. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, we all pay for our sponsorship levels, but because we're all traveling from afar, we rent a big wedding tent. So, like, <laughs> you come to Trail Days in Damascus, we have, like, a 20 by 30 wedding tent. We're, like, the destination because we actually have shade during the day when it's hot. And then when it starts raining, which it does every year Trail Days, we're, like, you know, the refuge for everyone to show up to because we have a place to get out of the rain. But yeah, those guys are sorry. They make great stuff. Yep, absolutely. You know, they're known for their water filters, but here's a little bonus tip. Their sunblock is, I think, the best product they make. Their stay put sunblock, that stuff is so good. You like put it on once. That's it, dude. You put that on once for the day and you're good to go. That's the best sunblock I've ever used. And it doesn't yeah, like put it on in the morning. Crazy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just put it on in the morning and you don't even have to worry about it. It's it's pretty yeah. crazy actually yeah and it's, and it's not like it doesn't leave you greasy like it really absorbs in where like you don't feel all greasy and slimy from it mm-hmm. yeah it's great yeah yeah can't say enough good things about it all right <laughs> so there you have it we are just about done here hope our listeners enjoyed our time with all good want to thank you for joining us this week uh whitney how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures uh social media i i think i've been kind of taking a healthy break to some degree i post infrequently at all goods canine adventures um so it's ag canine adventures is my instagram handle um you can find me there and also in the six moon designs feeds um at six moon designs on facebook or instagram or tiktok um i'm on there and then i keep an infrequent blog at the dago um but i will be blogging about my iceland trip this year i don't know if i'll blog while i'm out there but i i'll write some stuff uh when i get back for sure nice yeah all right hey, remember to check out hiker trash radio on social media as well we are on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok is that enough that, that seems like a lot i think i'm, seems I'm like a lot exposed. yeah and wow. if you have comments or clips you want to share with me you can send it to me at john at gmail.com off the beaten path now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fix. So all good. I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a, a book, a movie, a documentary. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path. Any recommendations? Oh, my God. When I, I got to run and grab the book. I got an awesome book for your readers. Okay. Jeff, so fill, in, listeners. fill yeah. in the dead think, space here. Yeah. Uh, well, all good has been very interesting. His uh, score has gone up and down all night in terms of the sanity index. But uh... <laughs> all right, sorry, sorry, I had to run the next, next room where the library is. All right, this book right here. I don't know if you can see it. You can't. It's a big bear. Uh-oh. It's called Mark of the Grizzlies by Scott McMillan. Okay. This book is twenty-eight short stories of grizzly bear attacks in North America. Perfect. And then the coolest part about it is. At the end of each bear attack, they sit down with the bear biologist and they break down what happened and how could it have been avoided or if it could have been avoided. And I got to say, it makes you think twice now when you go into grizzly country, but about 80% of this book, I would say, is unavoidable bear attacks. (laughs) Grizzly bear guarding a kill by a trail that nobody knew was there. But it's a really well-written book. It's very interesting. It goes to some really... Pretty gory detail, but it's a great book, a great read. I've really enjoyed it. I live in Grizzly Country. Yeah, I know you do. So <laughs> there you go. Um, 
So that's a really good one. And you know what? I, I, if you're not into grizzly bears and that, I would say if you've never read Walking with Spring by Earl Schaefer, I think that's like a book every hiker should read. I mean, that is like the first through hike. It's what brought all of us to this point of having Hiker Trash Radio as a podcast. I mean, Earl Schaefer in 1948, trying to walk off the ravages of the Pacific Theater of World War II through hikes the Appalachian Trail. And, you know, for a simple guy from uh, Pennsylvania, he's a pretty good writer. And uh, it's, a really, it's a really great, great read if you've never read it. Fantastic. Have you ever seen Grizzly Man? I have. The documentary? I have. I also read the book. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was crazy. It's, it's different. It's, it's, yeah. That guy was like petting the bears. This is like, <laughs> hey, Bob went hiking and uh, was going through some thick brush and got eaten. And what happened? Oh, there was a dead caribou next to the trail that nobody knew about. The grizzly bear was guarding it. <laughs> So, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but, yeah, Walking with Spring. Also, just to shout out, this is Earl Schaefer's 75th anniversary of hiking the Appalachian Trail. Wow. So, I mean, it only seems fitting that that would be a book that people should read. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you. All good called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss? Hmm. I don't think much. I got into pack rafting this last summer. And uh, oh, that's big. Yeah. I would say if uh, you're looking to kind of mix multi-sports or just kind of venture out from the, the usual hiking side of things, check out pack, pack rafting. It's a, it's a vastly growing popular sport and it just opens up a lot more access to you especially out West. I mean, we're so much of what we do is a combination of wilderness and then water around us. And it's pretty fun. I mean, just even paddling flat water, it's just really easy to get them in and out of the car. And it's just a neat way to kind of explore stuff in a human powered way. All right. Hey, we are finished. Thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Uh, All good. I know you are jam packed with activities going from one place to the next. We wish you yep. the very best uh, in your upcoming adventures to Germany and Ireland. I uh, hope you have a, a lot of fun out there. Hope you consider coming back on the pod and, and talking to us some more uh, in a later season. As For we- sure. Anytime you want to have me. I love chatting with you guys. All right. As we close up today, any shout outs to friends and family? Uh, yeah. Special shout out to uh, Disco from the trail show. Sorry about giving you COVID. I hope you're better. Um, and DOD, <laughs> sorry for giving him COVID. Uh, and then just to all my hiking partners and friends and family, you know who you are, you know, I love you and I hope you're all well. <laughs> I'm glad he's a whole other episode now. Yeah. <laughs> glad he used trillions. I think we just violated HIPAA there. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've been crammed into the Six Moon Designs van all day and have been driving cross country to the next trailhead. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.